elegant weapon for a more civilized age. This is a journey into sound. Gentlemen, welcome to an Elegant Weapon episode 350. My name is Jay, J.M. Clark, Jay, the Jedi, Ross, Arish, a Jedi, Jay. It is so wonderful to have all you beautiful babies here with me in the Smoking Pod studio atop beautiful Hamilton Mountain. 350 episodes of insanity and nonsense it's been a grand adventure i can't wait to have many more with you normally on this show we feature a guest for the entire episode we're not gonna do that this week and probably for a few weeks because back in the beginning i used to have a lot more stuff to get off my chest a lot more that i wanted to geek out about and you know what i've been feeling it lately i've been feeling that yearning So we're going to throw in a little bit of the old school with a little bit of the regular school. We are going to feature an amazing conversation with an incredible indie comic creator this week. His name is Timothy Bach of The Family Graves from Source Point Press. Oh yes, of course. Speaking of Source Point Press, this episode and all episodes of An Elegant Weapon are brought to you by Source Point Press. SourcePointPress.com, the finest independent comic books across the land. So uh, you're going to hear that. You're going to hear a conversation uh, with Tim. Uh, He's a good man, and uh, he's the writer behind The Family Graves, and some exciting stuff is coming from The Family Graves. We'll tell you all about it. But first, a few things that I'd like to chat about. You know, I, I, I loved wrestling as a kid, like any kid back in the 1980s, the golden age, uh, you know, superstars that were so grandiose and so huge and so epic and we loved them all and we loved the universe and uh, it was so particular to the 80s the style that you know became accustomed for wrestling then you know something mean gene i got back into wrestling in the 90s with the attitude era because i loved the idea of no heroes no bad guys just everybody with attitude uh and also come on like that's when people really like the finest promos ever cut thank you very much you son of a bitch uh you know and i'm not saying the only good ones but the finest promos uh the finest off the cuffs the finest uh improvs ever happened during that era also some of the most ridiculous stuff i don't even want to talk about that whole birthing a hand thing like where the hell did wrestling go then but either way that whole era uh you know it it had recaptured me uh then as that died off uh so did wrestling for me i mean i've always been a fan in particular going to so many comic conventions like i do wrestlers are always a staple there so i've gotten to meet a few cool guys but uh you know never really talked about wrestling or featured wrestling on this show really uh, headlocked uh, way back in the past, which is an amazing comic book by Michael Kingston. You got to check that out. Uh, involves a whole bunch of wrestling talent uh, making art on the page. Covers by Jerry the King Lawler. Crazy shit. You got to check that out. And maybe in passing conversation with our good friend Anthony Kingdom James Rutgazer. Uh, so, um, but this AEW thing. It's got to be addressed. Uh, AEW, the other finest uh, gigantic monstrosity of epicness uh, that is an AEW all elite wrestling. Um, I know I knew I should have trademarked that shit when I had the chance, uh, but it's not important. Um, uh, not in my certain point of view anyways. Uh, but as I said before, wrestling's always been a part of conventions, but never before like I saw at New York Comic Con this year. Uh, firstly, it's been super cool to hear about the buzz of AEW because it really does seem like something different, something special. Got this uh, Chris Jericho figurehead thing going on, and they really are bucking the trends. You know, they're really calling it out. Uh, 
They're, they're, they're bringing it to life in that old Monday Night Wars way uh, that we haven't seen in a long time yet with a certain amount of uh, deserved swagger I hear this time. I don't know. Uh, but people seem to be digging it, so I've heard the buzz, uh, which has been cool. Um, then at New York Comic Con, they were doing a panel for AEW Wrestling, and Chris Jericho was on the panel, and Cody Rhodes comes in through the back, through the audience, to the to the question mic, and starts doing his thing, you know, shooting his mouth off, and Jericho starts shooting his mouth off back, and all of a sudden, before you knew it, it was a grand old uh, scrappiosa right there on the convention floor, uh, right in front of the panel table, uh, you know, guys all pulling each other off. It was fantastic. I... It, to, to, to pull that off at that moment with that idea is is really now I see it now I get it now I he, I understand what everybody's talking about why they really are trying to do things different because that's never been done before and it was a brilliant move bring the show to the show you got a show at a show big giant show all the show right so if that's what AEW is going to bring a lot of fresh new all the show hey man I might even check out an episode wrestling oh <sighs> Those were the days. Oh, yeah! So I have always loved comic book television. Uh, any little bit of it I was ever to get, able to get my hands on, I devoured. Smallville, uh, even My Secret Identity. Remember My Secret Identity? I got so excited over that show. Just for the premise alone, I would watch its awful ridiculousness. Things obviously have progressed through the years, and things have gotten better and better and better. But we have hit several pinnacles uh, I have a couple of shows that have been created recently enough that are easily my favorites of all time. Uh, one I, I cannot not mention would be Legion. Um, I still got a bit more Legion to watch, but my goodness, it's, it's, it's unbelievably brilliant, that show. It's just, it's such a, such a cinematic, you know, whirlwind of, you know, optic pleasures i just absolutely love the trippy retro insanity of it also a, a great show with uh, tremendous performances um and and i love my c-dub shows you know some have gone up and down over the years some have gotten better the flash has easily been the most consistent uh you know last season and the season before supergirl was kind of mad but it seems to be getting a little bit cooler uh green arrow just should have been done years ago uh, but it was very cool to see the fact that they're kind of going back to the beginning to bring it to the end. And, of course, Crisis is coming up. We're going to have lots to talk about when Crisis happens. I'm going to be blabbing tons about Crisis. In fact, I plan on rereading it just to be on top of things uh, before we get to watch the event. Um, and we'll be talking about that tons when it comes. I plan to have a few uh, friends pop by, a few uh, familiars. Uh, if you will, to bounce things off of. But uh, not this week, because uh, I just did something fresh you're going to hear about, and I wanted to talk to you about it fresh. But either way, I digress. Uh, back to comic book television. Uh, the point I was trying to get to was that of all the things other than Legion, I think, that have happened, uh, I have loved much of it, um, but I have loved nothing. Like, I am loving Titans right now. Titans is beautiful. Uh, and and I, I was trying to dissect in my mind what I love so much about it. Um, because there's so many elements to it that are pretty typical. The dialogue is nothing uh, extraordinary. In fact, uh, you know, sometimes the swearing feels out of place, like they're just throwing it in there for the sake of being edgy. But that's probably my number one and only criticism of this show. Um, you know, it's a lot of beautiful people in ridiculous costumes, just like uh, the CW shows. Uh, they pull most of them off pretty cool. Hawk and Dove, <laughs> those ones are a little bit extreme. Uh, but we are diving into the DC Universe, so, uh, you know, I can't go against uh, that which upon I grew. So, uh, but there's something about this show. I think a lot of it is uh, the finest... It, it the, the action sequences are shot finer than any other show. The use of slow motion, the use of detail, the use of ideas and effects is more creative and, uh, well, 
better polished on this show than any of the others. Uh, like, I can barely watch Arrow at this point because the fights are so generic. Uh, and they're just shot. They're one on their camera letting the stuntmen go. And nothing against the stuntmen. They're doing an amazing job. All the fight choreography, you know, that's that's hard. I get it. But there's more to it. The cinematography in, in Titans is far and above anything ever done for comic books on television, in my opinion. Um, you know, I loved a lot of what Gotham did too, because it was so quirky and individual and unique to itself. They were able to pull off some interesting stuff, uh, but still a lot of, you know, typical, you know, I like to call like the Hercules Xena era type type fights, you know, TV fights. Um, again, no disrespect to the people performing them. That's hard shit, but there's something about, uh, the time, care, love, and artistry put into Titans that is fantastic. Um, I think the first season's finale, um, I'm going to give a few spoilers on this. I'll give you a chance at this point to bow out. Um, but hopefully you've seen it by now. But basically, um, Dick Grayson is in a dream state. And he has to go through the motions of living through the adventure that he's chasing down Batman because Batman has gone crazy and wants to kill the Joker. Nuts. The way they deliver this episode is the single finest episode of comic book television ever produced. Hands down. If you haven't seen it, you don't even need to watch the rest of the season. That's why it's so damn good. I mean, it makes sense at the end of the episode, um, but you could watch this episode completely undo itself and still be absolutely blown away it was done incredibly well they gave us an entire batman character and a joker character without ever actually seeing their faces full on um it was phenomenally phenomenal phenomenally phenomenal phenomenal it, it's so good. Watch Titans. It's brilliant. And it's so true to the source material. I think that's also another part of it. They're, they're not fucking around at all. I mean, yeah, Starfire's probably, you know, been the slowest to progress into a role where we recognize it more as a Starfire. Because that whole innocence thing is is not really there. That wasn't ever a part they brought into it, which, which might have been an interesting part of the mix. But I think that would have taken away from Rachel a little bit as this young central uh, character. So... Um, I bloody well love Titans. I cannot wait for Dick to put on the suit because you know Nightwing is coming. Um, and Ian Glenn, I believe, brought in as Bruce Wayne. That was a, a really cool trip, I think, as well. Having Bruce Wayne there at least. The TV's starting to get bolder and bolder with the Batman. Uh, in fact, we saw the Batman mask, unless it was the Batwoman mask. Not too sure because they're looking so similar now with an arrow through it on a stick uh, on Lung Yu. Or Lang Yu, or however they say it, the island, you know, in the Arrowverse, in Arrow. Um, so that was pretty cool. The Crisis is Coming, kids. Um, it would be awesome. I've heard rumors that Titans is going to show up on it. I see no reason why not. Because if we're going to go with this Elseworlds uh, multiverse thing being DC's thing, do it. You know, Marvel's mastered their thing. Might as well fucking go completely the other way. Because, kids, tonight, I finally saw Joker. <laughs> Okay, so this movie ended up not being exactly what I expected it to be. I was told it was going to be something by so many people that it ended up not being at all uh, that I am quite pleasantly surprised. There are all the obvious things about this movie that everyone has been discussing as far as it's beautifully shot. Uh, it's beautifully acted. Joaquin Phoenix is amazing in this role. Um, this could be the first time we see two Oscar winners win for the same role, I believe. Because uh, he could easily be up for this. He, he, he went to cool, cool places. Um, so... What I was worried about, okay, let me start in the beginning, because the Joker is, hands down, and has always been my absolute favorite villain. All the way back from Super Friends to Cesar Romero, uh, the Joker was my guy. The idea of this uh, madness, this, this insane clown, it was just perfect. Always was to me. 
Then along came Jack. Jack is still my favorite Joker. Tell me something, my friend. You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? Came closest to what uh, I knew the Joker to be on the comic book pages. Um, still think it's a brilliant performance. Um, not that I don't love the others, you know. Heath deserved every accolade that went his way. Uh, just for me personally, I enjoyed Jack. That was my Joker. Uh, but maybe, I don't know, this might change things up a little. Um, just the look of Joaquin, it reminded you of a, of a Heath-esque Joker, just with the hair and the look. Um, I wasn't sure what I... So, yeah, so the Joker, my favorite villain, uh, and what I was worried about with this movie is that it was going to sympathize with him. And uh, I had heard from quite a few people that it did, in, in fact, uh, show some sympathy for him. Now, perhaps in a way, uh, but I don't think it was necessarily sympathetic to him uh, personally, uh, it, the movie was, of course, a mirror being held up in front of society. It was, uh, it was a commentary in part, uh, although I think more vaguely than people are saying, I don't think it was so in the forefront uh, about men mental illness and how do we treat mental illness and those with mental illnesses, of course. Um, but I, I think a lot of the talk about uh, the social commentary of this movie uh, is more in-depth than Todd Phillips had intended. I think a lot of it are cliches of what we know the world to be at this point um, to build upon uh, what he wanted to do and accomplish, which was a beautifully orchestrated descent into madness. And that's what I believe this movie was. And that's why I was so so pleasantly surprised. Um the sympathy, of course, you have to sympathize for the way that people with mental illnesses have been treated in the past. I mean, this was a period piece happening in late 70s, 80s, I guess, probably more 80s. Um, and you do feel bad uh, for, especially, I'm going to have to spoil this a bit. There will be spoilers. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Those three spoilers give you a chance to get out, even with this extended spoiler talk. So here we go. Um, you find out a little later in the film what he had went through as a child. And that adds more sympathy even to what he went through. But to a certain point, the way this individual handles, you know, his issues, shall we say, is, is terrifying. This is a monster being created. This isn't just someone with serious mental problems who may pose a problem to themselves or someone else uh, or, you know, maybe not capable of, uh, you know, fending or taking care of themselves. Um, I didn't feel that was this. I felt this was more an examination of a of a, like a serial killer or a, a psychopath in the respects of that we are familiar with them as the, the Mansons, the the John Wayne Gacy's, you know, the, the Bernardo's, the crazies, right? Um, just monsters who, you know, this abuse, as awful as it was and as obvious as it was, the trigger and the formula that, you know, baked this monster, still, it's terrifying to an extent to know that humans are at all capable of this, you know, extreme evil. And that's that's the Joker to me. This point of of exceeding madness and insanity that we that terrifies us when it's so far away that we cannot uh, comprehend it or identify with it. You know, uh, that's what I didn't want to do. I didn't want to identify with the Joker. You could hold sympathy for the things that he went through as a human being, of course, but I did not want to. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, go to that extent because uh, this was this was uh, the creation of a beast, um, you know, and sure, by society, by our treatment of those with mental illnesses and all that stuff, but I don't think that was the point of the movie. I think all that stuff, uh, people, you know, they like to talk about it, but it, it's, it's, it's life now. It's the way it is. That's, you know, or the way it was. Things have gotten better, especially these days. People are trying to be more woke. But um, I think it was building upon that part of our of human history 
the scary things that can come out of humanity. And that's the Joker. And that's what I felt was relayed on screen um, beautifully, brilliantly. Uh, so awesome. The use of music. Uh, Christine Dearlove, my dear friend, pointed this out, and I couldn't have agreed more uh, of how incredibly well-used music was from orchestral to to rock to pop to whatever it was uh to to the old timey music was just was just amazing it was it was so so well threaded out throughout the movie without you know like knocking you out of period at any point uh it just gelled so well together the other thing i was scared about this movie was how far will it go from the origins uh, one thing I didn't like that I had heard from the very beginning, as excited about this movie as I was, was that he had a name, and he was a person, and he was Arthur Fleck, and, you know, he came from a place. Um, cool. You know, I, that was the thing I knew I was going to have for, have to forgive largely, because the Joker is like Yoda to me. It should be unknown. Uh, as much as I think it's a cool origin, the Red Hood origin from the comics... Uh, you know, I still, I still don't know if I jive with it a hundred percent and can and fully embrace it because I just, I believe the Joker should be like a Yoda. I mean, if they ever give us a Yoda origin movie, that's going to be the end of Star Wars for me. It very well could be the entire mystery will be gone. You got to have some mystery, you know, um, you know, Wolverine origins as beautiful as it was and an amazing story. It took something away. When you take these mysteries away from Yoda or Wolverine or Joker or whatever, um, it's going to have devastating effects on the awe and, you know, the the importance of the character in a way. Um, because sometimes the mystery is a big part of that character in unto itself. And it's kind of a shame. So I that's the point. You know, an origin story, cool. Uh, a Descent into Madness, always good, especially with the way this was made. I've never seen Taxi Driver. Uh, I've never seen The King of Comedy. So I, I, I have no basis with those to go on. But, I mean, I know 70s music m movies. I've seen plenty of them, um, you know, and I get it. I, I totally see the aesthetic of this movie. But that was the intention was to make it look like that, um, you know. So, uh, yeah, really, really happy with the fact that he ends up just being adopted even even that even they at least gave back that that wasn't really he's not a fleck fleck is not his name we still don't know the joker's real name they left that tiny little bit that for me was so enough it was so gratifying there was a lot of this movie that was that you know gratified me and satisfied me in ways i didn't think i was going to get to be because of you know that everybody was talking about how you know it's not you know in line it's not canon this movie could be perfectly canon you could perfectly sequelize it you could perfectly make this the joker for the pattinson you know uh you know it, he's grown up and it's in the 90s or whatever 2000s and it would be perfect you know joaquin would have to be a bit older of a joker but by that time he could be so far gone you know because he was this was a process and it definitely wasn't over at the end um Really, really loved that. Uh, speaking of Batman and Bruce Wayne, he was in the movie even way more than I thought. Flash to the ending, I cannot believe the fact that they actually, you know, showed the murder. And we saw Crime Alley. Um, the most disappointing thing about this movie to me was the was Bruce Wayne. And that kid was solid as a rock and you know in a situation where he should have been way more weirded out or scared um just i guess maybe you could say he was traumatized uh when the joker was messing with him that was kind of weird um at the gates there but then at the end i guess you'd have to say he was frozen you know i still think gotham is the best portrayal of the crime alley murder ever of the of the wayne murders um that kid loses it he did such an amazing job in gotham um, blanking out on his name right now. Oh, I apologize. Um, but yeah, that kid, uh, so incredible in Gotham. And he just lets out this guttural scream and he's like, ah! and it was never handled that way before. This kid always just falls to his knees and he's traumatized and in shock. And they kind of did that again. So whatevs. Um, interesting take on Thomas Wayne, you know, I don't think necessarily being like evil, but kind of a douche, you know, um, that was really, really rad. 
So, uh, what else? Um, yeah, really cool to have that in there. It could have totally made sense that this continued on, you know. That, obviously, that was Alfred, not mentioned by name, but cool that he was kind of aged appropriate to where he would be an older English butler later on. Um, what else about this movie? Uh, uh Oh, the violence. A lot of people are talking about the violence, and I thought it was beautifully handled. There's so many Joker-esque movies that were just fucking pegged so perfectly throughout this movie. Uh, when he drops the gun, when he's dancing uh, in the hospital, and then he picks up the gun and kind of goes, shh, with his finger to his lips. That was very Joker-esque. And uh, the, uh, the when he kills the Ralph guy who comes over with the little guy um, and just jabs him with the scissors in the neck there, uh, that was out of nowhere and perfectly executed in Joker-esque uh, finesse. Um, loved it. Loved it to death. Um, yeah, they pulled this off, man. They pulled this off great. Uh, giving that fucking little bit more mystery to his origin. Uh, that saved it for me in incredible ways. Um, you know, uh, one more thing to address. The fact that everybody keeps talking about that this movie takes place perhaps potentially entirely in his head. Of course, parts of it did. I don't think Todd Phillips was thinking that this whole movie took place in his head because that's some shit that directors I don't think want to do. Uh, the whole, you know, coming down to it being all in your head. Uh, the whole Shattered Island thing. Um, I think it's too predictable. It's too too cliched at this point in a way. And uh, it made sense to me, the parts that weren't, um, you know, like when he's hugging the guy at the beginning and, of course, the girlfriend, the fake girlfriend that he has all the way through making shit up. Uh, you know, I like that there's a clear distinction between the real and the fake there because why can't we just have a real movie where this guy descends into madness and goes fucking nuts and becomes a goddamn joker um that should be enough now at the end people are talking about how maybe he's in that uh, psychiatric ward all the time no i think it's kind of loosely obvious that he after standing on the car and everybody cheering at at him that he gets caught again and, uh, you know, gets, you know, thrown into the psycho ward again. He kills that lady he's talking to, and that's why when he's walking away, he has all the blood on his shoes. And then he does his little dance and starts running away like the Joker always will and always does. And I loved that. I loved that, you know, they kept it, you know, for, for the Joker in a way, it's a happy ending because he had come into himself, you know. And then those moments when he has those full-on breaks and doesn't feel bad about it. Uh, you know, great. My favorite laugh of the movie is when he's walking, putting his shirt on, about to go in and get reprimanded by his boss in the clown workshop place there. Uh, and then he instantly stops laughing as he's walking around the corner, buttoning up his shirt. But that laugh right there, that was the Joker laugh, the one that you would expect to hear. But, uh, you know, brilliant performance. I loved it. I'd love to see it sequelized. I'd love to say, see them make him the Joker in the Batman. I, there's no reason why not. But I'm totally down with doing the Elseworlds multiverse thing. DC, let's make let's make it so. All the Jokers, all the Batmans. Uh, I'm still waiting on what I would love to see, which is Neil Adams' own personal pick as the Joker, which would be Matt Smith. Come on! That'd be pretty, pretty sweet. Um, you know, uh, there's so much that still can be done with the Joker. The two, you know, you know, the ones that may win Oscars and one that definitely did are ones that are very realistic takes, uh, on, on a madman. Um, but I would still like to see, you know, I, I would have liked to have seen Leto get more of a chance like Jared Leto's Joker and where that could have gone. And I know it was weird, but we... We didn't get to dive in. We really didn't. I know a lot of people say, well, other Jokers or other performances made more of a stir with, you know, three lines or whatever. I don't fucking care. I would have I would have liked to have fucking seen more Leto and seen him get more of a fucking chance. So I hear that this movie is even more amazing the second time around. But uh, Joaquin Phoenix, man, the, the body distortion and the dancing. The dancing was the best part. How Joker was that? No one, you know? And there were so many weird little nods to Joker-esque moments, like, from other movies, I kind of thought, too. Like, you know, painting slapping and fucking uh, certain moves of the dancing. Um, there was other stuff I can't remember right now, but I remember noticing a lot of stuff. All the clocks were set at 11.10. 
Um, I'm not going to take that as meaning the whole thing was fake. I'm just going to take that as a fun little Easter egg of maybe the clocks were smiling. I've heard that one. Um, but I, I don't want to go with the whole everything was fake. Let's not go with that. Can we agree to just let this one exist within its world? Can we? And he's the Joker, ready to go. You know, I, 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 I like it better that way. So that's what I'm going to roll with. But either way, brilliant, brilliant movie. Uh, this is what they should be doing. Not necessarily all these movies in this style, but like trying different things. Uh, let's do what Marvel can't do now. Because remember, in a way, Marvel has point painted themselves into a corner where they can only go outside their formula ever so slightly. You can have heist movies and you can have spy thriller movies, but they still have to be Marvel movies. Um, DC, they can pretty much do whatever the hell they want. And Crisis on Infinite Earths is going to prove that as well. I'm very, very excited as a DC boy uh, to see where all of this is going. Um, today, Paul Dano was cast as the Riddler. Um, cool. I can dig it. I'm loving this cast so far. Zoe Kravitz will make a wonderful, wonderful Catwoman, especially after getting dissed off in 2015 for being too urban. That shit still existed as back as, like, 15. Are people still saying that shit? Grow the fuck up, humans. If we don't grow the fuck up, we're going to have jokers running all over the goddamn place. Let's use some reason and logic for a change, huh? Let's be the goddamn Batman. <laughs> Alrighty, kids, here we go. Continuing the fine tradition of an elegant weapons independent comic creator conversation. A chat with the writer of The Family Graves from Source Point Press. Please enjoy my conversation with Mr. Timothy Buck. So, I go to the shows, I go to the cons, and I sell things. I sell these comic books. I sell them for Source Point Press. And there is one comic book in particular that uh, is quite the seller. It is Source Point Press's maybe its most family friendly venture uh, and, and it's a great great book. I'm sitting here right now with the writer of that book. The book is called Family Graves and this man's name is Tim Bach. Thank you for hanging out tonight Tim. Oh yeah, sure. Thank you. Thank you for having Absolutely. me. Absolutely. Thanks, well, <laughs> thanks for that intro. Well, hey, this is the uh, this is the end of kind of your rite of passage because I don't consider anybody at Source Point truly Source Point until they've been on this show. It's been a <laughs> of an uh, un unofficial golden rule of mine, and I don't think anybody else adheres to it in any way or gives it any <laughs> stock. But I like to I like to think so for myself. So. <laughs> Right, Either right. way, uh, The Family Graves, like I was saying, man, uh, a super fun book. Uh, it's a book that moves well at cons, uh, particularly for the fact that it's one of the few things that we can point to on a source point press table that won't traumatize little children. <laughs> so uh, tell me a little bit about the history of it because I don't know. One day I was just working a show and bam, there was this brand new book, uh, The Family Graves. So uh, where did this book come from, man? Yeah, well, it, it, it really came from my love of the old movie monsters and uh, kind of the Fantastic Four. You know, I kind of tell people it's, it's sort of the monsters meets the Fantastic Four. Yeah. Uh, and, and uh, you know, I love those universal monsters, the Wolfman and Dracula and Frankenstein's monster and all that. And, uh, you know, I wanted to do a team superhero book. And so I had this idea of doing this sci-fi monster kind of mashup thing. Uh, and, and so that's, that's really kind of where it came from. Uh, and then I got together with Brian Atkins, who I've done, uh, a couple other comics with, and I kind of pitched him the idea and he thought, oh yeah, this will be great. You know, we'll do it. And, and, uh, so we were working on it and, uh, we put it together and then we pitched it and, uh, you know, we were able to make it happen. So it's, it's pretty cool. That's fantastic. Did it go straight through to source point or were you a comics experience guy? Yeah, I'm a, uh, with Comics right. Experience, and that's kind of where I met Brian. Um, I actually had met his brother through Comics Experience. I had taken some classes uh, and had gotten to know Andy, and then because I kind of had a connection with Robert Atkins, um, Brian's brother, who, uh, if you don't know, Robert Atkins has done a, a lot of work on G.I. Joe uh, and stuff like that in IDW, really in the heyday of the G.I. Joe book. You know, uh, He did that, and now he's actually back doing uh, a G.I. Joe book, uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, but I had kind of known him, and then at a con, I met him and his brother, and I got talking to Brian. Uh, and uh, we just – I think we, we hit it off, and uh, we started doing some things together, and, and uh, we did this, this book that I, I've mentioned uh, called Gargoyle by Moonlight, which is kind of an old uh, – kind of a, kind of a uh, 
oh, I don't know, I don't want to say a tribute to like 70s Marvel horror books, so you know, monster books, but it's really just about a big, big monster guy that goes around punching other monsters, and it's a lot of fun, and it's, it's a, there's a real sensitive, you know, character drama in there, but it's, a, it's mainly like an action thing, and I thought Brian would be, you know, perfect for that, uh, and then I really got to see that Brian is really perfect with, um, acting, you know, he can really make the characters emote and make that feeling come off the page, and so I thought he'd be perfect for this story about yeah, this it's family very animated. because it's a very animated book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, he, you know, he does great with it. I mean, he does great with these, you know, we've got double page spreads and explosions and stuff yeah. happening and they're jumping from universe to universe and all this kind of stuff. But then there's these little family moments and Brian just totally sells those. I mean, he's able to just take these these creatures who who, you know, they're monsters. They've got maybe a, a fish face or a wolf face and he really pulls out the humanity in them. And that's what I think really sold me on working with him on this book, um, because I knew we could really deliver on both the, you know, the family drama and the heart of the story, uh, as well as having a few, you know, three and chills and action adventure and stuff because I think you know if you don't care about the characters the action stuff doesn't really it's not going to hold you through you know anybody can have have explosions and oh, big adventure sure. but in order for you to, to pick up the second issue the third issue and, and so on you really have to care about the, the characters and he, he did a great job of grounding this in a in a reality of these sort of all too human monsters well you know <laughs> it speaks for for itself and says something uh, for the fact that I sell a lot of sets. Like, uh, you oh, know, at the shows, sure. it's not just like people checking out the one issue. Like, people look through it and they enjoy it enough that they're like, yeah, I'll take all four. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, I've, I've actually, you know, I, I don't want to pat myself on the back, but I've, I've actually found that, that people really, if they like the idea, boom, they just they just buy the book. And I think that's that really is a tribute to Brian's art and to the concept. I think it's really easy to latch on to, say, hey, you know, it's the monsters like the Fantastic Four, or sometimes I tell people it's like the Incredibles, but with monsters. Uh, and people people kind of latch on to that, and then they, they get a look at the art, and then they just, they're like, yeah, I'm in, I'm down. It was you know? one of <laughs> the first books through in the Source Point comics experience mm-hmm. deal wasn't it like if not the like one yeah or two first of b- books that came through yes it was yeah the um you know uh, andy uh, schmidt had had a deal with idw and that had fallen apart for some various reasons uh, not because the books didn't sell the books actually sold really well um if you remember back um gutter magic which is now going to be coming out through um yeah, source yeah. point press and drones and Tet and some other books that came out, um, they did. They actually did really well. But for whatever reason, that, that that deal didn't stick together. And so Andy went around looking for another really good publisher, and he got to know Travis uh, and Josh and the guys at SourcePoint. And Andy really got this idea that you know, hey, these guys know what they're doing. They they really have a, a you know a heart for the business, uh, a mind for the business, but a heart for comics. And so um, we kind of took our deal over to, to SourcePoint, and we were great. They were glad to have us, and we were glad to be. Part part of the team uh, and it's just been so wonderful getting to join that community because it's not just you're, you're not just joining a company you're joining a bunch of creators that are out there pushing oh, each you're other's books and yeah absolutely it's yeah. and that camaraderie is, is just wonderful yeah, it's worked out really well i mean you know i mean you came through there and of course frank gogol and uh you know there's mm-hmm. super cool stuff garrett gunn i believe right yeah yeah so, yeah Yep. You know, and that's uh, that's a heart a lot of the heart of a lot of the books right now. So, have you done any source point shows yet? Yes, yes, I've done a couple of things. We you know we launched the book, but I don't know two two years ago at C two E two. Uh, and that was really awesome. You know, SourcePoint had a huge table, huge setup, uh, and that was really fantastic getting out there and meeting people and launching the book. And then we were actually back around uh, for C2E2 uh, this last year again, and I've also been to shows uh, in see, St. Louis. See you, uh, so you yeah. were at last C2E2. I was there, yes. man. And I'm thinking okay. you met. Okay. Sorry. Okay. That's why I see how it I'm slips sorry. by easily. I know because, like, you weren't there all weekend, though, were you? Yeah, I we actually had a table that year. The first year we were we just went and hung out at the Source Point booth, uh, but then this last year we we had our own table in Artist Alley, and so I spent a lot of time there. Uh, and then I, I just kind of would come over a couple times uh, to the to the Source Point booth, and there was so much stuff going on there. You know, I was like, well, I've got my table. You know, I'll just kind of make an appearance and then go back and and whatnot. So yeah, I'm I'm terribly sorry no, if see, I if it's, we did. It's meet. also super valid because it was a freaky show for me because I ended up having some serious tooth issues. Uh, yeah, at C2E2. And the day after I came home from C2E2, I had all these problems and I had to get a bunch of teeth pulled and, 
And I was just oh man, oh I hate I hate yeah stuff, totally man. it's the worst right. <laughs> oh, so I spent all that weekend oh, in yeah. Chicago just like doped up on painkillers, just trying to manage like why am I even here? Like it was so I wasn't my usual uppity energetic self that weekend by any means. So I could have easily been you know passed by. But uh, don't worry if you're at the next one, I'll make sure that I'm much more bright and bushy tailed yeah. for sure. But still, it was a good year. Twisted came out and had their signing, and uh, C2E2 is always a super exciting show. You're in St. Louis, right? How's the yes. comic scene yep. down in St. Louis? In St. Louis, it's fantastic. Uh, we have, you know, we have a long history of, of um, great comic shops and creators. You know, I think Roy Thomas was from St. Louis. Denny O'Neill was from St. Louis. Uh, you know, so going way back to like early Marvel uh, in DC, uh, and uh, even um, Gary uh, Friedman, uh, the Ghost Ghost Rider guy. Um, Friedrich, okay. Gary Friedrich is also from St. Louis. So we've got this really long history. And then, of course, the now, um, again, you know, big names like Matt Kent, Brian Hurt, um, you know, people live here, Chris Somney. Uh, and then there's all kinds of creators around St. Louis, and it's just wonderful to to work with them. There's a really good, um, like I said, store base here in town. Uh, you know, I can think of, you know, seven or eight shops that are just, you know, perfect sh- perfect stores and then um there's a lot of creators i mean there's people making all kinds of kinds of books and so there's a lot of people that you can talk to and meet with and and get to know and uh yeah it's 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 a really cool scene and uh, there's a lot of energy here and it's 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 kind of cool uh well uh doing a lot of different things uh in writing uh for a while i i did you know so like some some theater i did some some screenplays and things like that but you know i always kept coming back to comics because i just you know i really love those and so i don't know i think brian and i started doing some stuff in maybe 2013 uh maybe and uh just kind of going forward from there on because you uh yeah you've done like four other books or something that i'm not familiar with Mm -hmm. so it'd be cool to be able to check out one of those one day and uh you got a bit of a team going for family graves right like you got a few other people working on the book Mm -hmm. who else you got going there yeah, so um, we have on uh, colors um, Anders Zarate uh, and Dijo Lima uh, who who did the colors, and then Brandon Daniels, who's another St. Louis guy, uh, he helped out with some of the production work on it, and then Marco De La Verda is our letterer and production all you know all around you know superstar. <laughs> you know he brings it all right. together. You know everybody as you know comics is a team sport, and you bring all that together, and he's he's just a fabulous guy to do the letters and then the production and size it for the printer and get it ready for or size it for comicsology i mean all the different specs he takes care of all of that so yeah it's it's a lot of fun working with those guys uh putting the book together um it is yeah there's um it's so interesting as a writer you know you sit there staring at a blank screen and then you give it to an artist and then they make it better and then the next guy comes along and he he adds some colors to it and it's even better and then the letters come in and it's like wow now i'm holding an actual real comic book oh yeah (laughs) it all comes the way the team can elevate the individual parts is really exciting for the individual parts themselves you know what i mean and you know that's a great thing about source point because there are these little teams of people who love to work together and they just have so much fun doing it you know and it's a blast to watch you know and there's some people that like you know and and it's great because everybody at source point is so humble and half the people working with the other people don't think they deserve to be working with the people they're working with so they just try their damnedest you know what i mean (laughs) yeah yeah it's been so everybody's been so helpful i mean bob sally and of course travis and casey pierce and and getting to know um everybody there uh has has been a really wonderful thing and it's it's great you know you go out to these cons and you know you're selling your book but you're also selling everybody else's book and it's really cool to talk to people about their creative process and how they go about things and where you know where their ideas are taking them and just to learn business tips from people marketing tips uh, and everybody's just so helpful and I, I i don't know that everybody every place has that i mean comics is a great community in general there's so many great people wherever you go to cons and you can meet some really cool people um but i don't know if, if one company has so many cool people under one roof that are so helpful to each other you know i i, I kind of find it hard to believe that if you went into an image room that there'd be as much camaraderie i don't well, know it you built know? <laughs> up from such a genuine place of just wanting to make shit you know mm-hmm. like a lot of things like image have been built out of people just wanting to change a certain thing or do something differently and they're yeah. at a certain level like source point was so josh and travis could put out a comic book you know it was as simple as that right. and yeah you're right it's grown into this fucking army this legion of people who are just you know all have the same sensibility 
And, you know, that's the whole philosophy behind it, which is super cool. And it makes these amazing books, you know, like yours, which is a very unique book on the SourcePoint roster, you know? Yeah, and and that's one of the reasons. I mean, obviously, I was I was drawn to SourcePoint when when Andy started talking about him, and I looked into him, and you know, heard all sorts of good things. And what I love about how is, you know, they're going out to cons every week. I mean, practically every week of the year, they're at two or three shows, and they're they're at the biggest show. I mean, they're they're at New oh, York right now. Don't you know, say it. And, you had to and, say it. Oh, at least we get to sit here and commiserate together. Yeah. This is the first year in a couple of years that I've had to miss it, and I'm like, oh. And it's oh, the man, first sorry. year that SourcePoint has decided to throw their own after party. What yeah, the that's, shit? That's be Any really of cool. you fucking source pointers out there listening to this episode, you better have had a goddamn blast and a half at that <laughs> after party because you went to a source point after party without Jay, and that's just wrong. You all know it's wrong, but we, we'll go with it and we'll we'll dig it. And man, I'm I'm just. Ugh. But anyways, uh, you know, I'm sure they're gonna have a great year. There's lots of exciting stuff. In fact, today was uh, announced. Uh, the cast list for the animated version of Franklin and Ghost. Yeah, that yeah. is really cool. That Featuring is really awesome. Academy Award and winner Billy Bob Thornton. Yeah. Right? yeah. How about that? How about yeah. that little score? That's that. That was really impressive. And I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm so happy for Garrett and and the team. Uh, you know that that's just really cool that they that the this the, you know this little company has has made so many inroads so quickly and I think it's because of the material you know I think uh, there's there's some really good original material coming out of SourcePoint and I mean you know people always talk oh you know we're in a golden age of comics and all this kind of stuff and you know but there's a lot of books that I you know I don't really care for and <laughs> and everybody has their own taste but I think at SourcePoint there's really something there for everybody you know from sci-fi to horror to um, you know comedy and 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 in everything in between and and even something. It's maybe a little more personal and confessional, like Frank's yeah, stuff, yeah. you know. Uh, and uh, it's, it just keeps getting better. And that's, I mean, that's one of the reasons why we wanted to, to go with SourcePoint because we knew that we had a book that was going to feed into the horror audience, you know, with monsters and creatures and stuff like that. And there was a sci-fi audience, but then we were bringing something that was a little bit different. And I think that also made us attractive to them because it was, again, it was something a little different. Like you said, it's hey, it's a book we can give to other people, <laughs> you know, maybe their kids or, or younger people, and, and draw them well, in if they're not into, man, I've you know, told kind Travis of total many times. Like I'm like, I know it doesn't fit, and it's not right. But if maybe not necessarily going as far as an imprint, but man, family books, they sell like your books sell like crazy, you know, and and they're an easy sell. It's a bright, beautiful, fun, exciting, you know, book and you can put it in anybody's mm -hmm. hands. Yeah, and I think you know when when my, a lot of my inspiration for this is like classic comics. You know, I want I want big fun yeah. comics. Uh, there's nothing wrong with dark and gritty. See, you're, you're and, hitting and the nail on the head right there by saying I want right, and this is why I think SourcePoint's material is so unique because it's going back to the core belief of making shit that people want to see themselves. Like these yeah. people that are yeah. making them this shit, they're not making it for anybody but themselves. They're making the stories that they would want to read and they want to tell and they want to see, right? So exactly you know. yeah yeah and that's and that's what i was you know i was doing and i you know i the book has has hit like a, a sort of a, a family audience and obviously that was part of our thinking but really when we you know sat down and we're thinking about it I, you know i think a, a movie like star wars i mean that's not really a kids movie but it is a family movie that everybody can enjoy and people of all ages get something out of it you know indiana jones is the same way you know those movies were made at a time um when you know they were just sort of the, the pg mainstream kind of movie uh and they're so enjoyable on on so many different levels and i think that's kind of what we were doing yeah with the you just nailed it on the head. yeah that's exactly how it is there too because uh it's not a kid's book and i don't want to give the impression to anybody that it's like a straight up kid's book it's it's just it's it's a book that's not just it's a book that's just there telling a story about an interesting family it's not you know trying to go for anything other than anything outside the story as entertainment you know what i mean like other than the fact that of course they're monsters and this and that but you're not trying to be gory for gory's sake or edgy for edgy's sake or any of that kind of nonsense you know what i mean like not saying that yeah, stuff is nonsense yeah. i mean i love edgy books and all of course but when you're trying to do it just to be that way it doesn't always work out you know Right, right, and uh, you know, and I also wanted to kind of tell you know more of a positive story. You know, uh, it's funny. Like I one of 
Rick Remender is a is a, a big influence on me, but my stuff isn't like Rick Remender's. You know, I mean, he's he's right. definitely the adult, you know, adults only side of the pool, and my stuff comes out a little different. But you know, there's there's a lot of sort of similarities between Black Science and and the Family Graves, and I didn't do that consciously, but it's funny as I was thinking about it, I'm like, well, yeah, there's there's a lot of a lot of things that cross over, but I mean, I'm I'm again, I'm kind of aiming for this other kind of audience where I want to tell more of a positive story about family. Uh, I think a lot of times we have there's a lot of negative you know stuff that goes on in the world. Uh, and a lot of negative stories about family, a la Rick Remender. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty yeah, much all superheroes story. must have um, some sort of traumatic family event in their yeah. lives, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I just thought, you know, it would be nice to have, see a family that goes through some struggles. And it's everything's not peachy keen, you know, with the with the Graves family. Uh, I mean, you know, with the dad who randomly shifts into a werewolf, uh, you know, that that is definitely causing some stress in the family. And it's, the and dynamic it's is so, so much fun now. They all have to deal with each other and shit. It's fucking – it's good times. Um there are issues one through four, and yes. uh, the recent news, the brand new news, the reason we're getting together and chatting and having some news is because you are finally collecting them. Uh, yes. Do tell. Sir. Yeah, that's really exciting. Well, yeah, we're, we've got the first four issues done, and they're, they're being collected with a trade along with some uh, – we had some variant covers that we never got to use, and those are going to be in there, uh, covers by like Drew Moss uh, – or not Drew Moss. Um, Drew Moss actually has some pinup art in there, but like Megan Levins and Lorenzo Lozana. Uh, Robert Atkins actually has a cover in there for us. Uh, so we've got some really great alternate covers. We've got some really cool pinup art, uh, and then you know the, the collected series, and Brian and I are talking. Uh, we actually were just at a, at a little library con this uh, two weekends ago and we we kind of laid out the story and what our plan is going forward so he's committed to a couple of things uh which is great because you know it's he's keeping busy he's getting a lot of great work uh, but it does make scheduling uh, creator own stuff a little difficult but we have a plan and we're hoping to get out uh, a one shot uh, fairly quickly in 2020 and then very soon after that have another four issues uh another mini series so you're as sticking well. with this you're not like uh mm-hmm. nothing else on the burner you're like i'm all in for family graves yeah, you know, I think we've got something that's really getting Absolutely. some legs, and people really seem to like it. And we would love to go back and do gar- some more Gargo by Moonlight as well, um, because people, again, that's something that people people really seem to dig. And we, you know, we will hear people, oh man, you need to make more of those. You know, it's one of those things you go to shows and you see the kind of the same people uh, all the time, and they're like, man, you need to come out with you more make of that. that but through? and I'm Who'd working on some other through? things. Uh, that was just something I published oh, right myself. Um, it was my um, I'd, I'd done some short comics and things like that, and some short stories. But then when I thought, you know, hey, I want to go out and do something, um, that's when I, you know, kind of got to know Brian, and we did a 36-page one-shot, and it's kind of a mini graphic novel. So it's, you know, it's a full complete cool. story, um, and you and it it stands completely alone. And what's that about? Uh, and it's a great story. Well, it's about this guy who has a curse uh, that turns into a gargoyle every night, and he is trying to figure out a way to take back his life and undo the curse. And you know, because when you're a gargoyle, you don't sleep; it ruins your life. It's really hard to date people. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know, you can't hold down a job. And, and so he's feeling sorry for himself, uh, and uh, he ends up just kind of discovering that uh, his curse is kind of a blessing for the city that he lives in because it turns out there's a lot of creepy crawly things in the that go bump in the night and so he ends up punching a lot of monsters in the face and stuff like that and uh, it's a really the, the the issue itself is about um, the gargoyle uh, he he comes upon a, a demigod who's trying to, to annihilate the city and uh, he meets a, a nice museum uh, woman uh, who works there. She's an archaeologist and she kind of puts the puzzle pieces together for him. She's kind of the brains of the operation. Uh, and then he has kind of this mystical character named Drina. And she is uh, also guiding him. She's sort of the Obi-Wan uh, character. So you've got these two women in his life that have different roles uh, and then he's kind of the brawn and the muscle. And uh, so it's a real, it's a real oh, fun. Cool, Again, man. with the family graves, it's Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's it's the same kind of thing where you've got a guy who uh, is is this monstrous character, but he's not you know he's not evil. You know, if you think about gargoyles back in the day when they would put them on buildings, it was to ward off evil spirits and things like that. And so he's kind of got a complex about that that you know he is not a monster. He's the thing that right. fights monsters, and, and so he's got a kind of a complex and a chip on his shoulder about that. And so he, it's it's a real Does fun it exist story. Anywhere uh, still? And then, like. Yeah, yeah, you can get it uh, through. Um, you can download it digitally through uh, Comixology, uh, and you can also order it. I think you can probably still order it through Kablam, or uh, you can see us at one of our cons. I always uh, have some copies with me, uh, and or not not uh, Kablam, um, Indie, but their, their sister site, Indie Direct, or whatever that is, where they can order right. on demand. Um, 
But uh, then we did a one shot after that because we had some some pretty good success with that, and I just kind of published both of those out of my own imprint, which I call Moonrise Comics. Uh, and if you go to MoonriseComics.com, you can kind of see more about that, and and also more about the family graves and stuff like that. Uh, and uh, we, yeah, we did a one shot on that. And we'd love to get back to it. Uh, and I, and I've done some couple other stories. I have a few things. I think every indie creator has um, stories at various stages with various people, and you know, life's hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got you've got artists who who can't who have. Ex- wonderful talented well, people but they can't make a living at it and so they've got to kind of do a day job and they do this on the side so yeah i've got a lot of really cool things that are out there and i you know just waiting for all of them to sort of drop nice, and come together nice. and we we don't want to saturate the market with the whole gargoyle thing too because you yeah, know you had yeah. your turn first with gargoyle and now very soon bob <laughs> sally is going to have right, his turn right. with broken gargoyles right. oh my yeah. god cool. I've, i i had the pleasure of reading it and it's it's really good. Like, man, Stan Yak is a is a murderer. Like, what a killer! That guy's art is unbelievable, man. Like, where do you see it? Oh yeah, I've, I've seen I've seen Bob uh, posted a, a lot of the art, and yeah, it is. It's it's really gorgeous, and I can't wait to to to, to see the book. Um, it's yeah, it's a really cool it's a really cool idea, and it's done really well. Uh, and I think it's yeah, it's going to be another another good hit for Bob. He's he's really just been knocking him out of the park lately. Uh, uh well, you know, he's you know, he's a team he's, player, right? Just like you were saying, like he yeah. knows how to put a team together. Actually, he's probably one of the better ones at that. He's 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 such a, he really he's really he's a humble dude. Like he knows he's got enough skill that he can write. But, you know, he'll never say he's a fantastic writer, but he's he's really good at, you know, making stuff fit. He just knows, you know, what'll go with what. I mean, hell, like he was the very first pretty much. Him and Eastern were the first two to actually snag Sean Daly to make comic books with, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and that was that was a hot get because, you know, that boy yeah. was fire. But uh, as far as the uh, – the trade. Uh, how is this gonna? Is this gonna go into previews? Are we gonna kickstart that? What's the plan for this? Yeah, we're we're actually in previews. Uh, we've been in previews, and it's actually the book is dropping on October twenty third. Uh, and in fact, uh, Andy Schmidt just sent me a photograph yesterday. He has some books, and there will be some books at uh, New York Comic Con. And there, it's up on the website, so people can put their order in. Uh, for if you go to sourcepointpress.com, you can order it right from the website, or you can tell your comic shop to get it for you. Um, it's the the diamond code is uh, what is it? Uh, August one nine two two zero eight. Uh, and it'll be coming out, like I said, October 23rd. So just in time for Halloween, you need your monsters, it's a you need great your adventure. Book for Halloween, absolutely. Um, there will also be uh, copies available of the single issues, at least. Uh, I'm sure I don't think they'll get any trades out to me out here in the Canadas in time, but uh, there will be all four issues available at the Mississauga Comic Expo on October 19th at the Mississauga Central nice. Library. So uh, Source Point, uh, I'll be there slinging comics, and a bunch of those comics will be again all four issues of uh, the Family Graves. So y'all can come on out, uh, get yourselves some copies, uh, and check out what the fun is all about. Uh, Tim, thank you so much for uh, hanging out with me for a little bit this evening. Thank you. uh, Spreading the Family Graves love and the Source Point love, yes? You got any shows yourself coming up? Yes, that's right. Yeah, we're going to be in Kansas City uh, on October 27th for Halloween Comic Fest. Uh, there's a kind of a big show going on there. There's a comic book shop who actually does like a whole big comic con. Uh, they've rented out like a small convention center, so that's going to be really cool. Uh, and then we're going to be doing some things. I've got some stuff, some really cool stuff that I can't announce yet because the details need to be firmed up. But we'll be doing some um, big store signings as well. Uh, in St. Louis, we'll be doing the Fantasy Shop um, probably on October 23rd, the F- South County location. Uh, the day the book comes out, we'll be having a signing there, uh, and then look for some bigger news What's the big uh, later. Down there? Yeah, in St. Louis. Uh, well, there's eh, right now it's only Wizard oh. World. Uh, unfortunately, there there was a really great Ouch. show here um, called Project Comic Con that got the it, they brought in some of the best guests and they had a fantastic art you know artist alley and it was run by a guy who owned a comic shop and some local people and they did uh, they did a wonderful job but i guess they just couldn't they couldn't keep it working so yeah right in the St. Louis area right now it's only the wizard world and that it's getting you know it's it's not getting great it's, it gets well, kind of worse every year as far as the artist damn, park someone goes. out there in St. Louis if you have the ways and the means and you're listening to this show, give the people the Comic-Con that they need. God 
damn it. Yeah. That's just ridiculous. Yeah. And it's, it is surprising because, again, like I said, we have so many great stores. You know, several yeah, of our stores like have been Eisner eight, nominees. Right? And yeah, yeah. Oh, and then there's yeah. more than that. Like, like I said, I can I can think of like ten just off the top of my head that are really great shops here in St. Louis, and there's uh, there's so still others. Weird. And so the, this city has a really great comics tradition, and that we don't have. Well, a big there's con. obviously kinda, the community yeah. to support that many shops. That makes right. zero sense right. that there's no show. Like, you know, and yeah. it's like you, you don't have create. It's not like you don't have creators coming out of there like big time. So. That is odd. Well, somebody needs to get on it, so it's just another place for Source Point to head on out on yet another That's right. weekend. And hopefully one of these days we get you up here uh, northbound, sir. And uh, That would be fantastic. I've heard I've heard some wonderful things about uh, – it's uh, Fan Expo Canada, right? That's what Fan you guys Expo have up Canada there. Fan Expo Canada is the big one, and yeah. that's in Toronto. But there's also Fan Expo yeah. uh, Vancouver, and there's the Calgary okay. Comic Expo. And there's Halifax nice. and Edmonton, and there's a bunch of really good shows. But yeah, the Fan Expo Canada is the one in Toronto, and that's the that's the big time stuff. That's the show that's uh, a lot right. of people are always surprised to hear that it's right up there every year. It's uh, San Diego, New York, and Toronto. Those are your three biggest. Oh sure, cons. yeah. In uh, this year was really weird though because they switched weekends, and it was mm. uh, it's normally on the Labor Day weekend. And you could feel it, man. I'll bet you it was a quarter less attended than previous hmm. years. It was, you know, for yeah. fans, they loved it. They had all this room. But, like, you know, we did okay. We're source point. We always do okay. But, uh, you know, it was it was a bit of a struggle. You had to put on a little bit of extra hustle to get them numbers up with, uh, sure. with the lack of attendance. But it was a great show, and, you know, everybody was happy. But it's just a lot of people walking around going, this feels weird, right? Like Saturday afternoon felt like what would have been like a thir- like Thursday or Friday. Yeah, oh, wow. totally oh, wow. weird at a point when like you shouldn't be able to move or breathe or walk or talk. You could dance and skip. It was really weird. But uh, huh. yeah, it's yeah. People get really into their groove and they get into their habits. And if you if you mess with that, it can yeah, it can you it know can what? hurt. I don't mind if the if the fans had a extra cool show uh, because of whatever you know ebb and flow, right, my friend. Ebb and yeah, flow, yeah. kids. Anywhere that Source Point Press is, you're going to be able to find the Family Graves, written by Mr. Tim Bach. Tim, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me, and thanks for all your support of uh, just you know creators and wonderful comics. Hey man, it's what we do around here. <laughs> all right, kids. There you go, the wonderful Tim Bach. Don't forget to get Family Graves and many other fantastic titles at SourcePointPress.com. We'll be back next week with more. But for now, that's all we got. Take it easy.